Heartbreak in Palo Alto. Heartbreak in Palo Alto. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, Texas drops the ball against Stanford. Too soon? (laughs) All right. You're right. But we discussed the Super Regional between Texas and the Stanford Cardinal. Then we give our season outlook on the Texas baseball team now that it is over, unfortunately. And last but not least, I finally get around to reading some of your YouTube comments on the show. Can't wait for that third segment. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, we are closer than ever to 3,000 YouTube subscribers. Please help me out. I am grateful and appreciative for all of the support. So we're talking about uh, the Texas baseball team and the Super Regional. And June 12th was just a very interesting day for me, period, as a sports fanatic, because the Texas baseball versus Stanford game started at 7 p.m. Central. The Texas Rangers versus the Los Angeles Angels started at 7.05 p.m. Central. And game five of the NBA finals between the Nuggets and the Heat started at 7.40 p.m. central so i'm literally having to flip back and forth between all three to see what's going on and in terms of the nuggets game i'm glad that that's over right they beat the heat in five and that was just not good hoops to me at all so i'm glad it's finally off my tv screen it's baseball season anyway right so um you know we can go ahead and figure out john moran's suspension we can send wimby to san antonio and then we can get that off my screen until october but you know, it just wasn't good hoop. Somebody's going to call me a casual. It's not because KD, Steph, or LeBron wasn't in the finals, I promise. It just was not good basketball to watch. And we all knew that the Nuggets were going to win at four or five. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what happened. So it just was not a good series to me, right? I'm watching the game last night. They're bricking every three, turning the ball over every play. Jimmy Butler, on the most important play of his life, throws the ball straight to KCP, and they just end the finals on free throws. It was not good hoops to me. So like I said, Figure out John Moran's suspension and get that off my screen right until October. Then I'm watching the Rangers and the Angels, and the Rangers are coming off the series against the Rays, two best teams in baseball, but we lost that series on the road. So I'm like, let's bounce back against the Angels, you know, and we're up five to one. So I'm like, same old Angels, right, with Shohei and Mike Trout just underachieving. And they come back and tie it at 5-5 to go to extras, and they win at 9-5, I believe. So, you know, now NBA is done until October. The Texas Rangers have blown another lead, right? So I'm like, okay, all I got now is my Longhorns in Texas baseball. And fortunately for me, Texas had came back and tied it again because Texas was down 3-0, tied it at 3-3. Then they were down 6-3, tied it at 6-6. And so now I turn it back on in the eighth inning, and I can watch it without having to flip to other channels to see what's going on. And they tie it in the eighth, and then the bottom of the eighth is when Dylan Campbell makes that spectacular play um, when he catches the ball on, on the double play on the outfield assist, throws it all the way to third base, and they get him out going into the ninth, right? And so I'm like, okay, 6-6, you know, game three of the Super Regionals, Texas versus Stanford, ninth inning. Like, this is what, you know, all you can ask for, right? This is cinema, right? How can you not be romantic about baseball? 
And in the top of the night, you know, Texas had some opportunities to score, was not able to get a runner across. And so you go to the bottom of the knife knowing that if Stanford scores, they win the game, right? So it's high pressure, but you have the Big 12 pitcher of the year on the mound in Lucas Gordon. I think all of us as Texas fans felt pretty comfortable about where we were in the game and felt like if Lucas Gordon can get out of this inning, our offense can come back up, put some pressure on their pitching, score some runs, and force them into a situation where in the bottom of the 10th or whatever, they have to score to save their season, right? That's not as easy as it sounds. And so we get to uh, the bottom of the ninth. Texas doesn't score. And Lucas Gordon kind of gets squeezed on a couple of pitches by the umpire, but he works around it. And he gives up a loud double, right? And it's the type of contact off the bat where it happens that you think, oh, it's over, right? Because you know they're one run away from walking it off. And I think everybody in the building, everybody watching the broadcast, thought that he walked it off when he hit that double. I mean, the fans went crazy. He takes his helmet off running from first to second. Everybody in their dugout, you know, jumps out to celebrate. The ball gets lost in the light. The only person that knows it's not a home run is Porter Brown, who gets it back in. Somehow they almost get him out and tag him out, but he gets to second base on the double. And Lucas Gordon lives to throw another pitch. So we're like, okay, you know, just settle down, get out, right? Two outs, get out of the inning, settle down. So two outs. Forgot exactly how the pitch sequence went, but he gets a pop-up, right? And you can hear it. Everybody knows it's a pop-up. Lucas Gordon points to the sky, as most pitchers do, when they realize they didn't give give up a home run. And he points to the sky, and it's a pop-up, right? And so I kind of take my, you know, my eyes off the TV screen. You know, I'm just like, all right, they're going to catch it. We're going to the top of the tent. You know, Texas is going to have to make a run, right? Because the more chances you give Stanford to walk it off, eventually they're going to get something going, right? And I just remember the broadcast, hearing him on the broadcast saying, you know, pop up, routine pop up, whatever. And then I hear those dreadful words. And I, and I promise you, I don't think I'll ever forget these words or be, or be able to get these words out of my head. Right. Like I always hear these words and know exactly where I was when I heard. And this man on the broadcast says they can't spot the ball. And I must have looked up at the TV and I see Dylan Campbell, Eric Kennedy. And I forgot who the two infielders were. I think it was O'Dowd and can't remember who the other infielder were. But you could see four Texas Longhorn players all looking at each other, staring at each other, not knowing where the ball is. And he says they can't spot the ball. And now everybody knows what's about to happen. Longhorn fans know what's about to happen. We're, we're watching a broadcast knowing that this ball is about to come down and probably hit the ground. And there's nothing we can do about it. And I swear I have never seen a ball stay in the air longer or it felt like a ball has ever been there, ever been in the air longer than it was yesterday. Because I'm just staring at the screen, waiting on that ball to come down. And it felt like it never was going to come down until it finally came into the screen and just hit the ground and you saw Stanford celebrate. And you just saw the heartbreak on Lucas Gordon's face. And you saw all of the tears coming on all of the Longhorns' face, realizing that is how we lost that game. To me, that was a Texas Tech Michael Crabtree level gut punch right when you saw a team that had fought back twice from three run deficits in that game a team that had every opportunity to go into extra innings and steal a super regional win against the stanford cardinal and to lose the game like that on a routine pop-up on probably the jankest you know best home field advantage in college baseball because we saw last week in the regional texas a&m gave up some runs in similar fashion not being able to find the ball in the light, right? And that's the only ballpark in college baseball that has a situation like that where routinely 
opposing defenders can't find the ball in the light because they're not used to playing the ball in that field. And that's exactly what happened to Dylan Campbell and Eric Kennedy in our infield, right? They could not find the ball on the most crucial play of the game. And what should have been a routine pop-up, which should have sent Texas in the Super Regionals to extra innings against Stanford for a chance to go to Omaha, ended up with probably the easiest play in terms of just the ball popping in the air of Eric Kennedy and Dylan Campbell's life hitting the ground and resulting in a walk-off for the Stanford Cardinal to send them to Omaha and send the Texas Longhorns home. Like I said, it was a gut-wrenching play. It was a play that left my mouth wide open for five minutes, and it's a play that only I can compare it to to the Texas Tech-Michael Crabtree catch. Now, I know it's a little bit different because Texas was up when Michael Crabtree caught that ball, so, you know, you were literally, you know, 15 seconds away from winning. We don't know what was about to happen in the Texas-Stanford game, right? Dylan Campbell could have made that catch. The offense could have stalled out, and then they could have walked it off in the bottom of the 10th. We don't know that. But all we know is is that this Texas team showed Texas fight for three straight games against the Stanford Cardinal. They had every opportunity, earned every opportunity to make it to extras and play this Stanford team for the right to play Wake Forest in Omaha and to lose the game on a gut-wrenching play like that on a routine pop-up for some of our players for their last college baseball game ever to end like that is just heartbreaking and this was a magical season for a texas baseball team that we didn't know what to expect it started off shaky they started off four and seven right in the first 11 games and you know just to have that happen to them and, and to see the tears and their emotion on their faces and to know they gave everything literally everything to even be in that moment to be in that situation to be tied in the bottom of the ninth with stanford and to lose a game like that like i said on a routine pop-up that's just something those players will never forget and as texas fans we'll never forget and like I said, that's right up there with me, you know, for me with that Texas Tech loss to, you know, Michael Crabtree and company in 08. It was that gut wrenching. It was that much of a gut punch for us as Longhorn Nation. And I feel so bad for the players that had to endure that. And they will never forget that for the rest of their lives. Just a tough loss for the University of Texas and this baseball team. Baseball team. A quick word from our sponsors and then we're going to go into the season outlook. Right. I know it ended in disappointing fashion, but was this a disappointing season for the Omahorns. We discussed that after a quick word from FanDuel. Make your way to FanDuel because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And, you know, I want to give credit to Stanford for sure. I definitely want to make sure I give credit to Stanford because that is a really good baseball team. They now, I think, now that Texas is out, is the only team to make it to the College World Series the last three years. And, you know, they have a hell of an opportunity to make some noise in the tournament. There's some really good teams, you know, Wake Forest, uh, LSU, but it's baseball. Any team can win it. We saw that last year with Ole Miss. And I'll kind of be rooting for Stanford now. You know, I don't want Texas to lose like that in vain. You know, now I want Stanford to go win it all, you know, just because of that fluke play uh, that Texas has lost on. And, you know, I think that Stanford was the better team in the Super Regionals. You know, you had that amazing performance uh, by Matthews, their starting pitcher in game two, to throw 156 pitches, strike out 16 batters, you know, and go nine innings. That was an all-time performance by him. But, you know, when you look at it, out of the 27 innings they played between Texas and Stanford, I think Texas only led uh, for about two or three of them. When you look at the first game, you know, it took a five – run ninth inning for them to win that game and then you know in the game three where it was tied going into the ninth inning 
Stanford had a three run lead twice in that game, you know, and Texas had to fight back just to be tied in the bottom of the ninth. So I think that, you know, Stanford was the better team, you know, over the course of the three games, but that doesn't change the fact that Texas had an opportunity to steal the super regionals from Stanford and Stanford and, you know, just was unable to do it. But I think when you look at the course of the season or the outlook of the season for the Texas Longhorns this year, we can't look at it as a disappointment. And I know that's hard because you're looking at one of the most story programs in college baseball, right? And when you're looking at a team like that, it feels like a disappointment anytime they don't get to the College World Series. But you knew that there was the potential for this Texas team to take a step back when you lost all of the players you lost last year. I mean, namely Ivan Melendez, the best player in college baseball, over 30 home runs last season. You lost Pete Hansen, Trey Faltine. I can't even do it justice trying to name all the names right now. I'm going to forget a lot of them. But you lost so much production from that team last year that made it to Omaha. And you, you know, felt like maybe this team wouldn't be able to live up to what that team accomplished. And, you know, especially it started off a little shaky. I think we started off 0-3 on the season, 4-7 and in our first 11, to compare that to 11-0 and uh, last year. And, you know, things didn't look great. I think we started off the season unranked, you know, and which is crazy uh, for Texas baseball. And there were a lot of you know, fire David Pierce chance throughout the season. There were a lot of replace him or, you know, sit him on the bench or he's not good for us, et cetera, et cetera. And they kept fighting through it and eventually, you know, got to the point to where they won a share of the big 12 conference, you know, championship this year. Um, And, you know, like I said, we didn't know what to expect from this Texas baseball team, you know, especially early in the season. But I think, you know, that 16 game win streak where they concluded it by sweeping Texas Tech kind of showed what this Texas baseball team was. You know, they weren't the most talented we've seen in a while. And they had definitely had, you know, some holes and some question marks, you know, that we hadn't seen in a while, especially coming into the regionals and the super regionals where you lost three of your rotation pitchers and you had two of your best hitters dealing with back problems. Right. And we saw that in the series against Stanford, where we really could have used more pitchers. Right. You know, definitely you had to put a lot of pressure you know, on some of your best pitchers and, you know, some of your high end relievers and that 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 didn't necessarily work out for the Texas baseball team. But they just found a way to keep coming back. Right. And and keep putting themselves in a position to win. And I think that's the story of the season for the Texas baseball team this year. And that's why I can't say, you know, it's a disappointment, even though they lost in disappointing fashion and didn't get to Omaha, which is the standard for this Texas baseball team every year but based on what they lost and based on how the season started even based on them losing their first two games in the big 12 tournament to be able to come back from that win a regional almost win a super regional for a team that was unranked to start the season and many people felt like was going to be a rebuilding year for the texas longhorns to me it was just a special season you know you had the big 12 pitcher of the year you had you know i think six or seven all you know, first team Big 12 players, uh, Big 12 freshman all team and, and Jared Thomas, uh, you know, Eric Kennedy was second team all Big 12. You know, David Pierce getting back to the Super Regional. It just was a special season for everybody involved. Dylan Campbell with his 38 game, you know, hitting streak uh, that came to an end in Stanford. Like I said, it's just a special season for everybody involved. And, you know, it's hard to look at it right now and, and bring up the positives after such a disappointing loss on a, a team and a program that has such high expectations at this time of the year when it comes to college baseball. But, you know, you can't just discount, like I said, all of the talent they lost and you can't discount what this team was able to do after a four and seven start to the season, right. Going on that 16 game win streak and just showing that Texas fight all the way into the end, right. That five game or five run ninth inning, you know, in in game one on Saturday and then, 
like I said, you know, coming back from two separate three run deficits yesterday to have a chance to win this game going into extra innings and then, you know, just giving up a fluke play that nobody could control. Right. There's nothing that Dylan Campbell or Eric Kennedy could do about a ball getting lost in the lights. Right. If you didn't see it off the bat and you didn't track it the whole way there, you had no idea where that ball was going to be. And that's why that ball hit the ground. Right. And so tough, you know, into the season, a tough season for Texas baseball, but they'll be right back next year. David Pierce has shown us nothing to think otherwise. And this is going to be a really good Texas baseball team. And everybody that's coming back from this team will have the experience and will have that motivation and that chip on their shoulder that this is how our season ended. And we don't want it to end like this again. So we know that this Texas baseball team will be right back next year. And this was not a disappointing season. This was a very promising season for Texas baseball that did not end the way that they wanted it to, of course, but I feel like that's every year you don't win a championship, but definitely a year in which I feel like this Texas baseball team exceeded mostly everybody's expectations. You can never hang your head when you do that. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to read a couple of your YouTube comments. It gets a little crazy on here in the third segment next. All right, so we are reading some YouTube comments on today's show. This is something I said I wanted to do as I get closer to 3,000 YouTube subscribers to help you all who support me and really are the only reason I'm here. Uh, you know, read your comments and, you know, help you guys be more of an interactive part of the show. You know, I don't do enough lives where I can talk directly to y'all. You know, I respond to as many YouTube comments as I can, but that can get time consuming at times. So it's just better for me to start reading your comments and responding to them on the show. So the last one, the first comment I'm about to read, this is from my last video. This was about stealing Sark signs. But my second segment, I did a little piece on the offensive line. And I was talking about how Cole Hudson looks like he's going to start over DJ Campbell and how that should be a concern being that DJ Campbell came in as a five star. If we're going into year two and Cole Hudson is still the starter over DJ Campbell, then we should start to worry if we'll ever see the five star talent coming out of high school that we thought DJ Campbell was. That's what I said on the broadcast. This is the comment. DJ Campbell will not start over Cole Hudson. You are just wrong and don't understand what is happening or are just not watching. You don't start based on your stars, and DJ Campbell should go play defense. Cam Williams is better, and NATO as well as Cole Hudson. I'm not sure whose burner account this is. I'm not sure what DJ Campbell did to deserve the go play defense comment. I'm also not sure how much you listened to what I said, because I said that based on the article I read, it felt like Cole Hudson was on track to start over DJ Campbell for the second year in a row. Hence why I gave the soliloquy on why it would be a concern if in year two, DJ Campbell, the five-star, is still not starting over Cole Hudson. I said stars don't matter, but stars do create expectations. And if a five-star is not starting over a four-star two years in a row, it is fair to question if we'll ever see DJ Campbell live up to his full potential on the 40 acres. We got to listen with our ears and not our heart on Locked On Longhorns. And like I said, I don't know what he did to deserve the go play defense comment as well. Another comment, I remember when I said Sark was a good hire, everyone chimed in saying he can't win as a head coach. But with Rodney Terry, it's the total opposite. Why? They were both great assistants, but have yet to prove it as the head man. So why all of the Rodney Terry love? Because you dang sure can't criticize him. Okay. Um, this is fair. Rodney Terry does not have a great career as a head coach. He has a 53% winning percentage at Fresno State and UTEP coming into the position right now 
but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be criticizing about Ronnie Terry. Now, when Ron Holland and AJ Johnson decommitted, when Arterio Morris hit the transfer portal, I did come on here and say, this is not a great look for Ronnie Terry thus far. But I'm not sure what I'm supposed to criticize about Ronnie Terry when on the court, he took the team to the Elite Eight amidst all of the turmoil that he had to deal with this season. And off the court, you made this comment three days ago. Well, as of three days ago, he has built via the transfer portal one of the best rosters and most promising rosters coming into the season in college basketball, a roster that definitely will be in the preseason top 25. Looks like one of the best teams in the best conference in college basketball in the Big 12. So I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be criticizing Ronnie Terry for right now, but I promise you on Locked on Longhorns, we are more than fair. And if Ronnie Terry gives me a reason to criticize him, I will do so on the podcast. All right, so now we're going to go back to an episode I did with Parker from Locked On Coops. He is our U of H host. He did have the baby, for those who are wondering. He did have the baby. The baby is doing well. I want to read a few comments. This is from a U of H fan back in the day. They would call it the Red-Orange Rivalry. This is U of H in Texas back when they were in the Southwestern Conference. They would call it the Red-Orange Rivalry back in the day. One side of the stadium was red and the other was orange. Cougars still to this day are the last football team to shut out UT and Austin. Go Cougs. Love that perspective. Love when the older fans, no disrespect, but the older fans can come on here and give me a perspective. I wasn't even around to see, right? I was born in 1993. So I love that. I also love the fact that there were people that were actually at the games that said this was a rivalry because just because I put the word rivalry on the thumbnail, there were multiple comments saying this was never a rivalry. You know how Texas fans get. So thank you for the few fans that came on here and said, yes, this was a rivalry and I missed those games. Second comment and the last comment I'm going to read today. My first year at UT was in 1990. Once again, before I was born, I was born in 93. The game between Texas and Houston was a night kickoff that was still to this day the loudest I have ever heard at DKR. That is U of H in Texas in 1990. That is a perspective straight from our Longhorn fans that were at the game in 1990 love to hear it i'll be doing that a lot more reading your comments on the show on locked on longhorns like i said i would not be here without you all so i'm gonna make you all a part of the show moving forward thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hook them peace